you know, I've, I'm not averse to suffering, but I'm not there to suffer. Right. Um, so I'm more just about experiencing what's going on around me. I'm, you know, very, very focused on the environment around me, trying to see birds and see wildlife and flowers and the grass moving and the clouds moving and everything that comes with that. So yeah, I had to learn how to sew and then, uh, and that seemed to go okay. I'm now at the point where I'm a consciously incompetent sewer. That's Guy Stewart. And this is the Bike Pack Canada podcast. Hey, Steve, Bike Pack Canada listeners. It's Jonathan Hayward checking in from the hills west of Calgary, out doing some riding in uh, West Bragg Creek. Finally uh, broke free of the... Uh, the polar vortex here in Alberta out on my uh, 19th ride of the year uh, as part of the uh, ride every day of the year challenge put on by Dean Anderson so hope everybody's getting out and enjoying the the weather now that we're out of the deep freeze and chat with you all later bye Hello again, friends. Welcome back to the Bike Pack Canada podcast. I'm your host, Steve O'Shaughnessy. Jonathan Hayward, thanks so much for the voice intro. I'm glad my message was received. I uh, I was sent a couple voice intros uh, this week, so thank you so much for those that took the time to send me those. Um, if you want to send them to me, you can whip out your device, fire up a voice memo application and record something and send it to bikepackcanadapodcast at gmail.com. Please do. I think the community appreciates hearing from other riders out there and kind of hear what everyone else is up to. Uh, I hope you had a great last couple weeks. I hope you enjoyed the last podcast with Lamar. Uh, the weather's been crazy. It's so mild. Um, it's all wet and sloppy and salty out here. I'm really having a hard time getting motivated to hop on the fat bike and go riding in that stuff. Maybe I'm just lazy. It's kind of the, is February like the the blue month or was it last last week was blue monday they call it where everyone's taking solace in their credit card debts from christmas and kind of going through the weird weather we're having and just feeling down well you know what motivated or not get out there and ride a bike and for those of you who are doing that uh ride every day for a year challenge man kudos to you that's fantastic i don't know if i could get out every day to go for a ride um I guess I could start commuting. Uh, I used to commute on my bike pretty regularly, but uh, I don't do that anymore. I, I work closer to my home now and uh, I tend to like walking actually. One, it's good for my body because I've spent so much time on a bike that my uh, my uh, my mobility is has suffered and I need to work on that. I definitely need to do some yoga or something, but I do like the walk. I like the time. I like It takes a bit longer, and uh, which I like. Um, cause I get to, you know, listen to podcasts and maybe do some mindfulness exercises on the way to work and just kind of, uh, feel some gratitude for where I live and, uh, that I do work so close to home. It's, it's great. I don't have to commute anymore. Back in the day when I was an IT guy, I would spend up to two hours in a car, which for some of you out there probably are like, oh, whatever, two hours, that's nothing. But 
you think of that time that you spend in your car driving back and forth and the expense of that, and not only that, but the biological expense of sitting in a car for two hours a day. I just, I'm so glad that I'm not doing that anymore. But for those of you who commute on bike, on a bike uh, all year round, I appreciate you and I relate to you and I love it. There's no such thing as bad weather, just bad gear, right? So uh, get out there any way you can and keep moving because moving water don't freeze. Hey, do you remember uh, in the summer when Sarah was out on all those bike trips with uh, Jeff Bartlett? Do you remember the bike that she was riding, that yellow bike? Well, that was a 2020 Cuddy, and Rebound Cycle wanted me to let you guys know that they have them in stock. So if you want to go check out that bike, head down to Rebound Cycle in Canmore and have a look. I did get a sneak peek uh, at it uh, in the summer, and man, it's sweet. It's so light. Um I'm going to have to maybe try one of those one day. It'd be fun to actually do a race on one of those, I think. Uh, it'd be quite an adjustment to the big burly pig I ride now. But anyway, uh, sweet rig. Get down there to Rebound Cycle and check out the 2020 Cutthroat. I don't have much housekeeping for you guys today, but I am super excited to bring you this podcast with the one and only Guy Stewart. Uh, Guy was out for Global Fat Bike Day. We went riding bikes up at Panorama with our host, Martin Flanagan, who, uh, who's a fantastic host. He's hosted a couple global fat bike day, uh, get togethers and they've, they've both been fantastic, very passionate rider. And, uh, Martin will be participating in the BC Epic 1000 this year. So you'll be able to, uh, to meet him and, uh, cheer him on. He's been training like a beast and riding like crazy in YYC. So, um, hi Martin, how's it going? Hopefully we'll get to ride together at some point. And, uh, yeah, so, a uh, guy came out and we had a great Friday night riding fat bikes. And then Saturday we went up to Lake Lillian and, uh, did a big group ride there. And, um, then afterwards we had a chat and, uh, it was a fantastic conversation. I know a lot of you have been asking to hear from guy and you will in this podcast. And, um, I don't know, how do you describe guy guy? I really like guy guy's such a good guy. <laughs> guy's such a good guy. <laughs> I really like Guy. He's he's uh, honest. He's generous. He's um, very passionate about cycling, and uh, he has fun. But he he takes his activity very seriously. Um, he uh, he's very analytical. Um, and we're going to be talking about DIY. Build your own stuff. Uh, he showed up, uh, I guess, in the fall, and uh, he brought me a down two bag he had built for me, and I'm so grateful for that piece of luggage. And it was an amazing addition to my bikepacking setup. But you know what? You can build that stuff yourself. I don't want to delay this anymore. Uh, let's let's start the conversation. And without further ado, the one and only Guy Stewart. Hey, wait, 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 wait. So um, it's Sunday morning. Generally by this time, uh, I have uh, the podcast ready to go. And um, everything's all kind of set. But uh, things kind of happen happen quickly, and I got something that I needed to read to you. So what's what's kind of interesting too is uh, when I was editing the intros for this podcast, I had I had indicated some things uh, that guy was up to that I then removed because I wasn't sure, out of respect for guy, I didn't want to say anything uh, at a turn. But I kind of knew something was kind of going on for a bit, and uh, so he reached out to me last night, and uh, guy and his daughter Sarah. Stewart have uh, an announcement to make and they're introducing the Bike Packers Foundry. Now, I'm going to use my radio voice for this. 
and I'm just going to read it as it was written. And uh, then I'll, I'll chat after because I use a couple pieces of his, uh, his gear. So introducing Bikepackers Foundry. Bikepackersfoundry.com has been established as a family collaboration to develop and produce original ultralight handcrafted bikepacking gear using high quality materials and also ultralight DIY designs for the community. The website will have a store. Three products will be available initially. Straddle bags, a pair of small slim bags that securely mount on either side of the top tube and can be opened and closed with one hand. The fender bag, a full-length front fender and bag mounted under the down tube. And the top tube bottle cradle, a secure one-handed quick access bottle storage that can be mounted to the front or back of the top tube. Available spring 2020, please email sarah at bikepackersfoundry.com for pre-orders. That's S-A-R-A at bikepackersfoundry.com. The site will also have DIY ideas. This section of the website will have lower cost, do-it-yourself projects focused on ultralight designs, gear hacks, and other suggestions for doing more with less. Initial projects will include a composite rear rack and integrated pannier system, dropper post friendly, and an ultralight waterproof handlebar roll system. The site will also include a blog, bikepacking trip reports and pictures, product suggestions, and ultralight gear lists. So there you have it, guys. Bikepackersfoundry.com. Uh, I was so hoping that guy would uh, would start making his stuff available, whether it be in product form or DIY form, and, and it's all coming together. And so let's head over there and show Bikepackers Foundry some love. Uh, reach out to Sarah if you want to pre-order any of that stuff. Um, guy had brought me out uh, in the fall. He brought me out a, a set of the straddle bags. Um, they're very cool. They go right up. They tuck right up to your head tube on your top tube, and uh, they hang down in that free space. Uh, there's really nothing in there, um, and it's great, great utilization of free space. And they're like the size of a, like a Ziploc freezer bag with a roll top. So uh, yeah, you get all sorts of food in there, all sorts of stuff in there. And then he also brought me uh, the down tube bag, which I really, really love. And um, so it basically spans from uh, almost well, basically the entire, the entire down tube from from the uh, head tube back to the bottom bracket, and it actually tucks in under the bottom bracket shell. A little bit kind of acting as a as a bash guard um it's also roll top and man what did i get in that thing I, I i didn't even fill it up and i had my tarp i had my stakes i had cord i had a tube um you could throw a pump in there um it's i can't remember how many i don't think he had measured it at the time my estimate is it's it's got to be four or six liters like it's uh it's a lot and it's it's space that you don't really use anyway. Like it's a perfect, perfect place to put stuff, especially stuff that you don't need to get to all the time. Um, or throughout the day, like, uh, my, my, my tarp fit in there super loose. Like I could just drop it into the bottom and, uh, then I don't have to put it under my handlebars. I'm thinking about using that down tube bag to, to basically shunt all the load off, uh, off the bars onto the bike. Um, cause I do notice that it's, it is kind of fatiguing and heavy and, and sometimes it makes handling kind of weird when you have a lot of weight up there. So, um, yeah, it's brilliant. So head over, uh, to bikepackersfoundry.com, um, reach out to Sarah, S-A-R-A at bikepackersfoundry.com and, uh, pre-order anything you'd like to get. And so be quiet, Steve, and let's get to Guy Stewart's conversation. And now without further ado, I bring you Guy Stewart. So Invermere was good. You liked our start to our global fat bike day. It's awesome, Steve. It's fun. I'm glad, really glad you came fantastic out. Fantastic group of people. Bikers generally are. 
fantastic groups of people, right? <laughs> That's so funny. Well, um, Guy Stewart, cyclist, bike packer guy. When did you start bike packing? Uh, I think 2016 was the first time I met uh, Ryan and Sarah in the summer. I think it might have been July or August. They were promoting, Ryan was promoting uh, his book. He was at, uh, so purpose ridden. Uh, right. And he was at uh, the Patagonia in Banff. And, uh, and I, and at the time I had, he was talking about riding hundreds of kilometers a day. And, oh, I can never do that. And, you know, I think the, before that, the biggest I've ever ridden was maybe 100K or something like that. Yeah, it was just remarkable. So, yeah, I've been bikepacking since then and did a first, uh, first full event in, so the AR700 in 2017. And, uh, can try and get a few, a uh, few rides in every year. And How many miles have you put on since you started? Bikepacking. Do you know? Do you, do you tabulate that? Oh, gosh. Um, if at, at least 20,000. Um, maybe a little more. I'd have to go back and look. But Yeah. Um, I thought, I think I'm changing my approach. Like this year, I've done much less than I did either of the previous years. So 2017 was up right around maybe eight or nine. And similar in 2018 and then this year i've backed that way down and focused more on you know quality and intensity and like from a training training standpoint from a training standpoint so you had said you had some comments of of, of people who wanted to hear more about training yeah um, <laughs> we can well, talk about that because I'll, everyone's experience is different right yeah it so it's it's interesting i in both uh, 2017 and 2018, I had ended, I'll call it ended my season with, uh, you know, I was still riding, but I was hurt, you know, sore knees and sore ankles and sore butt, and yeah. you name it. Yeah. And, uh, and so my, my goal over the winter of uh, 2018, 2019, one of them anyways, was to uh, try and figure out better ways to, uh, to train and and ride and uh without injury mm. so uh that's really taken a number of directions one uh riding less and uh and focusing more on on quality and i got uh a shameless plug for uh ultra mtb which is uh kurt Ruffsnyder's mm. training company mm -hmm. uh He's uh, put together a couple of what I think are just, I only have the law, the six month program, but he has a shorter version as well. It's a, what he calls a four month training program and uh, just an absolute treasure trove of quality information. Shout out to Kurt Ruff Snyder. Hey. Yeah. Major, just amazing quality program. And uh, so I've been, uh, been following that for a while now. Um, both from a, a training standpoint and volume and intensity and, and what have you. And uh, it's it's been really, really helpful. Uh, Do you find it was different than the way you, well, obviously it's different than the way you were training before? Yeah, I think it's more more deliberate. Uh, my, my sense is that he has come at it as a scientist who's also an athlete. 
Right. So he's he's distilled an enormous amount of both information and research, his own and others, um, into a package that's quite easily uh, picked up by by anybody. And uh, there's just it's just full of gems. I can't. I could hardly keep. I could talk for half an hour. Well, we don't that. want to give it away because no, it's a product. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's a, it's a worth every penny to download. They're modest. I think there's maybe $70 Canadian or something like that for the, the six month training program. Oh that's, man, that's, yeah, that's not a lot of money. Yeah. So it's a nice PDF and it comes with, you know, it's got a training program that you, you can follow and you can modify it and you know, spreadsheets and what have you. So yeah, it's just tremendous. Do you need special equipment? Like, do you need power meters and whatever? Uh, good question. I don't have power meters on any of my bikes. I do have a power meter on the trainer I have. Um, I do find the that power meter to be useful. Mm. Um, but I think you could probably do without. It's it's up to you. Um, I mean, I, clearly, I'm not a not a competitive athlete, but it's. Uh, certainly feels like it's good enough for me. Yeah. I don't know if, um, I think a lot of people put pressure on themselves for training, you know, like they're looking at these big events and they're wondering how they're going to be able to fit it into their, their lifestyle. Like, you know, trainings, you know, the people at the elite level are training a lot. Yeah. And usually the, the people who are elite riders have that opportunity based on, you know, their life. They, they may or may not have children or, um, you know, you make a lot of sacrifices. So depending on, I think, how how great you want to do in that in that race or how successful you want to be is just a, is about a, how much time you can commit. Yeah. But I think you can maximize. Like, I don't think you need to be riding thousands of kilometers a month to train yeah. for these big rides. I think you need to have a really good aerobic base. I think you need to figure out your uh, your food, like yeah. your nutrition, what, what your body's adaptable to. Yeah, and you need to find ways to big, build strength. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, those sort of two things that stand out in his training program is one, uh, the value of, of cross training. So I think specifically strength, strength training. Uh, and also, um, the whole, the whole notion of, of the mental game. Mm. And so yeah. there's several chapters in there on, on, on his preparation approach to preparation and visualization and all of those things so yes really it's been been thrilled with the with the the program and it's been helping yeah i think so i mean the proof will be in the pudding next summer but uh, yeah i'd like to be able to uh stay with my friend tom devries when i (laughs) (laughs) so you have a goal in mind yeah staying with tom (laughs) that's right yeah when i started training i was just trying to do uh I was trying to do a long ride, like once a week, trying to yeah. do at least a hundred k ride, and then um, I talk about single speeding all the time. I, I think people kind of single speeding is an amazing way to train on a bike. I think if you can find a, a one gear bike, because that's where I think I got a, a lot of my my strength training in. I, I'm not like a super strong like person in that respect, but I think it gives you the the biking strength you know, the, the ability to get into the fitness of being able to stand and climb yeah. for a long period of time, which you may, may or may not do that on a, on a fully loaded rig, but, 
I think just the act of standing and climbing and pulling gives you that upper body strength and gives you that power that yeah. you need. And it, it is hard. So when you're riding a bike with gears, it's like, oh, gears, that's, that's awesome. I haven't pulled the pin on single speeding a bike packing rig yet. I know Dean Anderson's been pushing me. <laughs> Ty Dahman, who I've talked to a little bit just on Instagram, is like, oh, you got to do it, mate. So you have to do it. It's like, oh, I don't know. I'm kind of more about the long game. I think I don't know if uh, if I'm strong enough in my knees and hips to be able to actually do a single speed event. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, you know that's the mental thing. That's my that's the story I'm telling myself. Yeah. But maybe I just have to try it. I don't know. Maybe on the BC Epic this year, if, if I get a chance, I, I want to do it. Yeah, that'd be a good. One. It'd be a good one for sure. Yeah, it's probably not a not a bad plot spot to start. Yeah, because you know, there's nothing there that's gonna no really be too damaging and the biggest climate i think most people walk in anyway over yeah. gray creek pass right? yeah so whatever it doesn't matter but yeah no that's interesting and i yeah. last at the bike pack summit we rode back together a little bit and you're on a fat bike and you're a beast i say that with all <laughs> respect it's just like it takes a lot it takes a lot of uh it takes a lot of fitness to ride a fat bike yeah, just keep cuddling steve <laughs> yeah you just keep, <laughs> just keep on moving forward yeah, that's funny. Yeah. So people, people in the community will know Guy at least at least from the summit um, for his DIY capabilities. Yeah, <laughs> I don't so, know what capabilities, but well, I, from the stuff I've seen, even this weekend, and I'm I'm rocking some of your stuff as well. Um, uh, and thank you for that. Thanks yeah, for welcome that stuff. It's it's uh, it's it's amazing stuff. So Steve has uh, straddle bags, serial numbers one uh, A and one D. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. Yeah. These are bags that kind of go up. It's kind of a, it's a unique thing because a lot of, a lot of bikes up at the head tube have a lot of extra space where your frame, your frame bag will end. And then you have, you know, some four to six inches of, of space that's not really being used for anything. So these bags kind of sit up, up just behind your, your head tube and, uh, take up that space. And they're, I don't know what you can actually, they're, they're pretty big. You can get a lot of stuff in them. They're like a roll top bag yeah. with a single handed operating closure. And they're made, what was that stuff made with? Uh, it's X Pack. X Pack. So, so it's just like a high end sale fabric. Right. And they're crazy light. Yeah. Crazy light. And uh, it just adds a little bit extra. Great for, for food. Um, yeah. They're just, a, they're just amazing little bags. So when did you start? kind of doing the DIY thing. Well, it, so it started off, um, it was actually a, an offshoot of my, okay, how do I get less injury uh, and still keep on bikepacking as much as I want to bikepack? So what I realized was that a lot of my uh, issues were related to my upper body. And when I got looking at how heavy my, my bike was in the front end, the the weight of my bike, the front of the bike had got so heavy yeah. that uh, it was, in fact, just getting fatiguing, right? Mm. So you just, you know, as you keep on riding after you've maybe ridden a couple hundred K in a day, your, your upper body's getting tired. You start making bad line selections and what have you, and then you have to recover from that. And just, it's just sort of compounding mm. over, you know, thousands of kilometers a year. So I kind of got serious about figuring out how to reduce the weight of my the front of my bike. And, uh, so I just run a conventional bike packing rig with, uh, a porcelain rocket, uh, seat bag, which is just absolutely a fantastic, uh, Mr. Fusion is the, 
It's mm -hmm. a fantastic bag and a uh, custom frame bag on, uh, on my full suspension bike. And then, uh, uh, a roll top on the, on the front and, uh, with a couple of uh, feed bags. So the first thing was to find a way to get the water off the, off the handlebars. And so I did that with, uh, a little bag that, uh, I'll call it a, a top tube, uh, bottle cradle. So the, this sits, the water bottle just sits open in the, in the cradle. Yeah. And you have like, um, some shock cord webbing. Yeah. It just, it, but you slide in and out easily. Yeah. It's, and it's very secure. Like even if you dump the bike, it, the bottle's still in there when you pick the bike up. So and, what's the shell of that? Uh, so it's X pack and then inside of it is actually, uh, one of those little thin cutting sheets that you'd buy at a dollar store, just a piece of that cut to size and then sew it. And then, uh, mounted with, uh, with the little mounting system I've uh, come up with for, for also mounting these, uh, these straddle bags as we're starting to call them. Straddle bags. <laughs> Straddlers. Yeah. Straddle bags. And, uh, just, uh, they're like the straddle bags are just sized to be roughly fit a, uh, a medium size Ziploc, uh, freezer bag. Right. So you can, put food in it. You could put French fries in it, yeah. whatever you want in it. <laughs> That'd be a good way to describe them. Actually, when you unroll them, they're about the size of a sandwich freezer bag. Yeah. 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 Actually it's a, a freezer bag, not a sandwich bag. They're a little bit bigger than a, yeah. Than like a, the ones that are kind of tall. Yeah. 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 There's, there's tons so of room in there, but yeah, the, the bottle cradle is really unique. So, so how long did it take you to, um, to kind of plan that out and come up with a plan on how to build something like that? Actually, relatively quickly. I hadn't, I'd never used a sewing machine before. I know my mom tried to teach me to use a sewing machine, but I was probably wanting to play outside. So, but, uh, so yeah, I had to learn how to sew and then, uh, and that seemed to go okay. I'm now at the point where I'm a consciously incompetent sewer. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And then there's a few prototypes along the way. And, and now I've got, there's probably, uh, I think the, the straddle bags are, you know, something that could be sold, uh, commercially. And then my, so to, just talking about the DIY thing, part of my intention with the DIY is my experience with the bikepacking community has just been so overwhelmingly supportive. I mean, they're just, they welcome people with open arms and, uh, it's just, a just an amazing community of people and consistently amazing, you know, Event after event, encounter after encounter, just amazing. So Super I, positive. Yeah. And so I would, if in some small way, I would like to be able to give back to that community. So I've been trying to design uh, items that other people can use and either taking the design as it, as it were, uh, or ideally they can take a design and adapt it and prove it for their own, uh, for their own wants. Ooh. And, uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where I've, uh, where I've got to with, uh, with the bottle cradle. I'm going to, I think I'm going to have a go, uh, with, uh, at least one of my daughters of, uh, making the, uh, the straddle bags and, uh, for, you know, folks that, that want them and, uh, and then uh, going from there. So. Well, I would say, what would you call yourself? Uh, not, not what was the competent statement you made? Uh, consciously incompetent. Consciously incompetent. <laughs> From what I've seen, the stitching it's uh, no, it's pretty. It's pretty awesome. It's it, you know when when I in my mind and with my skills and ability when I think of DIYing something up, uh, 
I just imagine it looking really crappy. Oh, no, no, I don't these, think so. Like these, these, those straddle bags look, they're commercial quality. You could put a, you could put a, like a patch on that with the name of it, with yeah. your company name or whatever, you could sell those. Like they're, yeah. so just to tell everyone out there, it's like if you put enough time and thought in, and to like really take your time in making something, um, th- yeah, you can turn out some pretty amazing product. Yeah. So it's, you were, you were strapping on today, you're showing me the, um, the uh, racking system you made. Yeah. Does, do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, that one's, I think that's probably the first one that'll, um, so the intention here is to uh, make these designs available on the Bikepack Canada website, uh, likely in a PDF form that people can take and and use. Uh, just you know, you know, have it on their computer or even on their phone, and and then actually just take it out into a into a work area. So I've tried to make uh, the the rack and the bag setup is something that anybody could build with minimal tools uh but you know basic hand tools is really all you need and uh and buying a commercially available product so the the racks oh and the overall objective is to keep the weight down so in the case of the 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 rack and pannier system the uh it comes in at under a kilogram for the combination of the rack and the bag and uh, a pair of bags and that includes a full-length fender as well. Yeah, the rack is crazy to hold in your hand. Like if anyone's ever lifted a like a standard like aluminum tubular aluminum rack, they're not that light. Like they're it's a pretty burly rack. Yeah, they're typically you know somewhere between nine hundred grams and one point two kilos. Right, of. and this thing is it's crazy. Like yeah. when I held it, I was like, wow, it's it's pretty light. When you consider yeah. what's in there, I, I was expecting it to be a lot heavier. Yeah, yeah. And the main trick with, with it coming up with that was the the use of it's all composite fabric or all composite materials. So the uh, the stays are all and the frame of the rack is made out of poultry fiber reinforced plastic, aka driveway markers. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that kind of looks like it almost it kind of looks like fiberglass, right? But yeah, it not. is. It is fiberglass. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Using, yeah, you can. You're using fancy words, guy. Yeah, yeah. Because if you buy the wrong, <laughs> if you buy the wrong driveway markers, right. you won't be happy. That's right. <laughs> so, and then uh, plumbing fittings, little uh, half inch plumbing fittings, which are actually stronger than something you can 3D print. Right. You know, it's right. it's crazy. You know, you buy a, a fitting that's under a buck a pop, and and uh, and then uh, fiber reinforced tape, which is very important because that basically gives the one, it holds the structure together, and two, it makes it incredibly strong and, and uh, resilient. So you can, I've crashed the one that you had in your hand. I've crashed that one at speed with a full load on it. Bounce across, you know, down a, an icy surface Ouch. for a long ways and uh, get up and, oh, yeah, everything's fine. Let's keep on riding. Um, and I've, you know, crashed it a number of times, you know, either deliberately or just being a bonehead. So, yeah, so, so the idea is... Your plan is is to develop the plans, put them down on PDF, like with uh, a shopping list. Yeah, it's kind of a shopping list and a recipe, and and uh, that that way somebody can fit it exactly to their bike with you know minimal minimal amount of, of uh, work and and rework. But I mean, I think the main thing that I've done is I've worked through enough iterations. Now I've built. Uh, seven or eight different versions of 
the rack to come up with one that's easily uh, adaptable for pretty much any bike uh, with without a whole lot of work. And how much weight have you loaded that up with? Um, good question. Well, what would you so Pro- in your in your setup? People can do their own math, but what do you keep on your rack? What's what's in your bags? Like if you were going to do a, like a big trip, say a multi day trip, not necessarily racing, but what would you put in there? Well, I initially set when I started using the the bags, which are available from Mountain Equipment Co op, and they're uh, they're actually a what they call a backpack extender bag, and uh, they're uh, I think they're sixteen or seventeen dollars each. So you need two of those, and they combined hold about maybe 17 or 18 liters. That's a lot. And uh, I was putting uh, food in there. So I can get about 10 days worth of food. Charcuterie. That, and the charcuterie, <laughs> yeah. You can have a bikepacker's charcuterie. <laughs> um, and uh, so that would be, that's probably close to, must be 12K. 12 kilos? 12 kilos, yeah. Um, that's a lot of weight yeah, I, on that rack. It's, yeah, it's, it's that's the upper end. And, and then when I typically ride, I've got, um, like if I'm winter riding, the you know bike that's sitting outside right now that I rode last night, it's going to have, in one pannier, it'll have my you know winter outerwear that I would use around camp or what have you. And then the other side would have a you know sleeping system. So very lightweight. Um, yeah, it's an interesting thing because, you know, uh, people tend to kind of go away from, from panniers, I think. Yeah. Um, and to a regular seat, like a, you know, saddlebag kind of setup. Um, why did you choose to go? Was it more, it was weight distribution, right? Yeah, weight distribution was a big part. Um, being able to move weight off the handlebars, talking, you know, going back to the conversation about, you know, upper body strength and injuries and what have you. And uh, the... Uh, just the ability to have more flexibility and, and super fast to you know set up and and, and take down. I I, I rode uh, a couple of years ago with with a friend. We did a ride across BC in the in the fall on the uh, basically following most of the BC epic route um, late late fall, and uh, he was riding with uh, with panniers, and he's ridden tens if not hundreds of thousands of kilometers with uh, with panniers all over the world and you know he'd be sitting around waiting for me for five six seven eight ten minutes for me to get my bags all packed up and he's just hanging out (laughs) drinking coffee and (laughs) waiting for the guy waiting for the new guy (laughs) yeah it's kind of like it's 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 you you pick and choose your battles right i think it depends on on what you're doing but you know that's what's what's different about these panniers is i think they sit a little higher like they're a little bit higher off the ground but they're not very wide yeah they it's common they're kind of a combination of higher and lower um if you saw them like on your bike uh when we had them on the steve's new uh new um fat bike from from rebound um thanks rebound the uh they, it sits high because the rack is so high, but you know, I have this one set up just with on my, my fat bike with uh, just enough to clear the tire and with right. a little bit of room for mud or snow or ice or what have you. And then the, the bag actually comes down right all the way down to the axle, right? which is deliberate. So it lowers the center of gravity and I, you know, the top is unutilized or it can be, you know, if I want to strap a set of snowshoes on there, or put a pack raft on whatever. Yeah. So it, 
you know, going back to your original question, one, I try to keep the bike sitting fairly light by, by centralizing the load and, but also have the capacity if I want to haul a whole bunch of food or something else, the rack's got the capacity to do it. I think there's something to that. I remember, um, <clears throat> reading a bit about, um, Jay Peterberry's setup when he was riding the ITI on that, uh, salsa black barrel. That was his same concept is like get everything off the front, yeah. put it in the back. And then, yeah, it's just, I think it's makes the bike handle a little better. I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm definitely intrigued. I like the idea too that, um, if I'm actually going to use this, uh, this muckluck for a bike packing rig, I was thinking about making it 29 plus. I don't think I'm going to be able to get my Mr. Fusion on there because I have short legs and I don't know if there's enough room. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there is. Actually. Do you know I'm just I looking at it right here. So, so, yeah. Okay. So the circumference of a 29 plus might be yeah. a little bit taller than that. I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to use it. Yeah. So I might have to, uh, build my own rack or something. You can I'm not that. carrying a pack. That's for damn sure. <laughs> oh yeah. That's the other thing. I don't carry a pack ever. <laughs> no. And that's, that's kind of something that, you know, that goes back and forth, you know, the whole pack debate. Yeah. I just, ever since I stopped using, like when, when this bike, when I pulled the trigger on, on, on this bike, I was like, okay, you know, rebound, you know, were awesome setting it up and getting it built for me. And, but they didn't have any frame bags to fit it. And so I was just scrambling to try to find a frame bag because I was like, there's no way I'm wearing a pack. Like, I just, I can't go back. Yeah. I can't go back there. Yeah. So, I, I, the first year, 2016, I rode with a pack and I, you know, that was one of the early things I tried to figure out was how to get, get the pack off my back. And yeah. There. Yeah. It's incredible. And the other thing too with the rack, for me, it was to be able to run a full dropper. So, and that as well. Yeah. yeah so which I, I think it's pretty fantastic. I've now got, you know, now back to where I can run a full drop. Yeah. And, yeah. And I like the, I like the idea of maybe even, you know, you've got all that, not only the panniers, but yeah, you have the space on top, you know, to put a big bag of chips or, yeah. you know, a, you know, a tent roll or, yeah. Yeah. Weedle Master like could, idea. you know, he could probably strap, I don't know, three or four rolls of, uh, three of those, uh, Chips of potato chips. You're right. Pringles. <laughs> Pringles, yeah. yeah. So it'd be a bandolier of, yeah. of Pringles in the back. <laughs> the the actually the bag that I think excited me the most was your down tube bag. Okay. Um yes. because I think it's such a great place to put stuff. And I, I've seen them, I've seen a couple companies making these these down tube bags. Um I have no experience with any of them. So yours was the first experience I had. And uh so guy came out, he brought me a this down tube bag. And, uh, we just went on a quick overnighter with Doug Dunlop and, uh, I loved it because I could get so much, so much of the stuff that you don't, you only use at camp, right? Like, or, or stuff you don't really need that often, like a tube or sealants or, or, uh, or a tent. I was able to get my tarp and my, my stakes in there and cord and, and just stuff that you don't need regular access to. Yeah. It was perfect. And then the best part was it's a fender. Yeah. It kind of, it's wide enough that it gives you kind of this front fender. So how did, how did the development of that kind of come about? Again, it came back to getting weight off the, the bike. And so I started weighing individual pieces that were on the handlebars. And uh, I like, I prefer to use a tent. Uh, you know, I do bivy if I have to, but I prefer to have a, have a full tent with me, mostly because, you know, we live in the Rockies and, it can snow any day of the year. Mm. So it's nice to have a real, a real tent around you. But so my, I think the, the I'm working from memory here, but I think the, uh, the tent poles for my 
MSR hubba one person tanter around 300 grams or something like that. And they're awkward. They're, you know, they're long. They're 17 or 18 inches long. So I was, you know, initially I was saying, oh, I'll just strap them to the down tube and, and play around with that. And, uh, then I got thinking about if it would be possible to, uh, to actually make a bag that would accommodate that plus spares. So I typically ride with my, my spare tube, a full set of spare parts, which is, you know, roughly a little throat lozenge box full of bits and pieces and derailleur hangers and what have you. And, uh, some tools and a little mini floor pump and, and, uh, and then I throw my, uh, my tent, uh, tent poles and, and tent stakes in there. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, what's, uh, how many, uh, liters? Do you I, I don't know. So the, the dimensions of the raw bag are, it's a piece of material that's 30 inches long and, uh, it starts, starts off as 14 inches wide. So you're going to, the circumference of the bag ends up being about 13 and a half inches. So it, I sized it such that it, a, a conventional uh, one liter Nelgen or the bigger Nelgen, the longer Nelgen bottles will fit inside the bag easily. And, uh, and then it's a roll top. And the, one of the philosophies that I developed with making these bags is that the frame of the bike becomes the structure for the bag mm. or informs the structure for the bag. So then there's some sewing in there as well, like, you know, the way you orient the fabrics to get, you know, get structure, but um, in large part, the the frame provides the structure. So in the case of the the down tube bag, um, the roll top, when you close it, it puts the bag into tension, mm. which gives you your fender. Mm-hmm. So you've got that width at the top and no no depth, so you've got room for tire clearance. And then it's you know totally up to the individual how they pack the bag. I love it. Yeah. I do. I do really love it, and I, yeah. I think that. Uh, yeah, it's not something I ride with all the time because I don't really need that volume all the time. Yeah. But definitely, I, I think there's there's a place for that, uh, even racing, for sure, because you can just offload so much stuff. Well, and it's, yeah, it's crazy lightweight. Like, uh, the, uh, the bag mounted weighs right around 100 grams. Like two chocolate bars. Yeah. Like and, bars uh, and I'm still on the, I'm on the fence on whether or not it's benefits to be waterproof. I have made one that's waterproof. Um, but I'm not sure that you actually want to put waterproof stuff that needs to be waterproof. I'm not sure it actually has a place in that bag. I, I think it's up to the individual, but I've, I've built the waterproof one and I don't use it. Right. <laughs> it's how, how much heavier is a waterproof one? Uh, it's a, it adds about 50 grams. Right. So it's not, it's not, it's, it's not a, it's not much of a weight penalty. It's just, I'm not sure it's, uh, it's necessary. Hmm. So, and it doesn't appear to shed mud as well as the, the, oh, uh, that's actually, that's actually interesting. We're interesting talking about. I, I, cause I mentioned it at the bike pack summit as well. I started off when I was making these things. I started making these guys a couple of years ago and, uh, just hand, hand sewing them. And, uh, they were, <laughs> we have to pause because it's like, you know, my, my family's home today, so it's like the kids are upstairs, and I've just been wishing. I just want to keep it calm, so hopefully they'll be calm. So I'm sure you've heard Jasper running around and Sloan just screaming. I don't know if I'm going to be able to edit it out, but I don't think this is a conversation we can... Uh... All good. <laughs> All part of being a family. That's right. Yeah. 
So, um, anyway, so I started off making these bags that had like a full hard fender face on them. Uh, and uh, they were, you know, relatively heavy. They were up, probably up around 300 grams or something like that. And uh, for whatever reason, I said, oh, why don't I try something lighter? And so I ended up just going with a straight piece of fabric. And what I found was the, the flexing in the fabric actually sheds the mud like the kind of the, the yeah just the normal flop. riding yeah. of the bike you know yeah. over over terrain it just there's always those little subtle movements and it just sort of gradually sheds the mud off so uh, yeah even during the the buckshot the little section that i was able to ride um it was it would shed the mud yeah and, and keep was, it off your face too oh it? i totally yeah i mean i basically get off of, i'm clean yeah that's the other thing i like is i don't i don't really get all that dirty when i'm riding right yeah. And yeah. same same goes on the back with the mm. having the integrated fender. You know, you got got that as well. You're kind of selling me on it a little bit. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an approach. It's just I'm just yeah. another crazy guy on a bike. Yeah, no, I mean there's there's something to be said for that. Like for 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 carrying stuff, maybe not in a traditional panty setup, but in that setup for sure. Like the rack's so so light, and then you can you can you can move a bunch of stuff under your down tube, which is pretty amazing. I love my down tube bag. Like I I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna to try to race with that in the summer. See if I can get a bunch of stuff off my uh, off my handlebars into there. Yeah, I think like I don't think I would use a the rock and pannier setup for summer racing. Uh, I just don't think I need that much. Yeah, well, yeah, you don't carry near as much. Yeah. Right? yeah, I mean, I would have a little, you know, maybe some like a puff coat and something or other, a little seat bag, yeah. such that I can still get full use of the dropper and good enough. Yeah. So what do you what do you want to tell people that 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 want to do this stuff? I'm sure there's well, people I, out there like me who's like, I really love to build. I have this great idea, and I really want to build something. Like how how do you how do you initiate the process? Well, I think just start thinking about what you want. You know, make a few notes either on paper or mentally or on your phone, whatever. I mean, I a lot of this stuff I cooked up while I was riding because I really like thinking about stuff while I'm riding. No, I think just go. You know, try it. Um, it, I, I started off a couple things I made where I was literally copying somebody's feedback, you know, so hand sewing somebody's feedback. And, to, and then I realized that, yeah, you know what, I, I can buy one of those. Like, I don't need to be making this stuff that way. So that's kind of where it started. But coming back to, you know, what, how do people get started? I think you just start. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it hasn't been a particularly onerous process. Um, get some inexpensive material or even just, you know, find something that's a cast off around the house and use that as your material to start with. If you've got access to a sewing machine, great. Um, the one, the one tool that is invaluable for, I would say even for long distance tours is to always carry a speedy stitcher. Um, so that's a, a product that allows you to, uh, it's, it comes, I think, from the sale industry where you can drive a, a needle that has a is carrying a thread through a fabric and then create a knot on the other side and pull it back through and they're under twenty dollars from from the mountain co- equipment co-op oh speedy stitcher yeah i haven't heard of that yeah and then yeah just give some thought um we'll put the some of the designs up on the website i think that'll help people get started like i literally sometimes i'll just take a piece of paper and make it about the size of the, the bag i want and 
see how that's going to work, hold it up to the bike. And yeah, I guess you you could use construction paper or anything, or yeah. even corrugated like uh, cardboard. Yeah, I, for the for the racks, I frequently just take a piece of cardboard and cut it to the size of you know rough size I think I want it to be, and then start holding it at different angles to see how it's going to play with other pieces of the bike. That's how I ended up with this incline design, which we haven't talked about, but the the angle of the the uh, of the rack is such that it gives full room for the dropper. Plus I've got enough room to, you know, put a back raft on or whatever. And is that uh, the angle uh, rather than being horizontal? Yeah, it, correct. It's, it tilts it's in a little tilt bit. forward. And right. also that allows you to use less straps to hold the bags in place. I so that's another way to drop the weight. Yeah. And that must be something too. It's, it's like you, you almost have to do, there has to be more than one version of what you're making. Cause you know, for the yeah. most part, you're going to, you're going to build it and you're like, ah, oh, about that oh i forgot about that yeah. and then you'll have to like redesign it or yeah. no the stuff that you're building is amazing and like you said i think uh i think anyone can do it with the time yeah. and, the, and it, the resources part of my goal is to is to try and shortcut the process for people so they don't have to go out and make a bunch of mistakes that somebody else has already made mm -hmm. so uh you're the r&d department <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. Right. I mean, I think a lot of people need, I mean, there's, I, I'm sure there's a wealth of information online. People can find all sorts of people who are building. I mean, yeah, you can probably build a bag out of duct tape. I mean, really? Yeah, you totally can. Yeah. Right. So you get some Gorilla yeah. tape or whatever. And, you can and there's, bag. and the other thing I'd like to say is that there's really, in no way is this to, take anything away from all the bag makers that are out there because there's a whole bunch of folks out there that are making just simply incredible bags. Mm -hmm. The reality is that they need to do it to make a living. Mm -hmm. And so they have to design them in a certain way. Yeah. So, but you know, there's like, the, you look at the Revel 8 and Porcelain Rocket and Ovenegra and I, you know, could go on and on and on. They're just making absolutely an incredible product. And so can, you so can people right like yeah. any, anyone can really do it if they put yeah. their mind to it you know what actually and, and the stuff it's pretty expensive you know like really when you look at a like a look at a frame bag yeah man they're over a couple hundred bucks yeah and i i think the reality you know as i've tried as thought about these uh these straddle bags from a commercial level you know what what would i need to charge to recover the cost of the material a little bit for labor and what have you. And I have no trouble seeing how it gets to be a couple hundred bucks for a frame bag. Totally. But, you know, if somebody wants to, you know, for example, make a frame bag and they've got a bunch of hours to put into it, then they can do one. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So what's, yeah. what's, what are you planning next? What do you have next? Uh, what are you thinking about? Can you talk about it? Well, I've been working on <laughs> My friend Doug Dunlop taught me into building a pack raft. Ah, yeah. So let's talk about the pack raft thing. That was pretty popular at the summit. I think a lot of people were interested in the idea. Yeah. So um, I'm not a pack raft builder yet, but I want to be. <laughs> so. Yeah, and we'll does see. that? So you were talking about some of the some of the tools that you needed for that. So it yeah, seemed pretty it, simple. Yeah, very simple. So um, actually, the pannier bags that are outside there which are serial numbers one and two uh they're made out of pack raft material and uh what is that material what's the so it's polyurethane coated ripstop nylon so and like something to make a jacket out of them, right? kind of no it'd oh. be um 
Actually, your frame bag might well be. Oh, I see. Poly- somewhere in there, there's. I think that red, like that red panel we were looking at earlier. Yeah. I think that is polyurethane coated ripstop okay. nylon. So this is basically a laminated. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, it's laminated in the in the manufacturing process. Right. Um, so yeah, that I made that one. Those two bags I made with a household iron. Um, because awesome. I hadn't didn't have my little leather iron for a, that uh, came in and they were like I don't know thirty bucks or something like that. So yeah, basically you just need to control the temperature closely on the as you w- weld the fabrics together. Is there like an optimal temperature? Very much so. Yeah. Right. So 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 the the nylon plus the 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 adhesive that you're using has a certain no. I, you're actually like melting it. the polyurethane. You're, fu- oh, you're fusing it together, so those molecules get get fused together. So there's actually uh, no additional adhesive. You're basically correct. just bonding the two pieces. Yeah. Of that. oh, so that's the, why it's so strong yeah. because you're basically making them one. Yeah, you're t- oh, turning it to a single a single element again. Because that's my biggest fear. It's like it's one thing to build a frame bag, but when you're building a, a pack raft and you're going to put in the water yeah. with your bike and stuff, yeah. it better stay together. I would just think mine would just fall apart. Well, I, I was. I mean, I don't want mine to fall apart. <laughs> so. <laughs> try and make a bag and yeah. see if I can learn how to weld the fabric. So it's actually, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so heat and pressure. And, and then the trick is to get it hot enough to melt the polyurethane coating that's on the fabric. Right. Um, without over, overcooking that polyurethane. And without also, breaking the bond. Yeah. And also nylon. not make melting the, the nylon fabric underneath. So it's, it's, it's more just a case of getting a bit of a technique and, you know, how long you hold the iron in one spot and how you roll it with a little roller. You have to buy a little silicone roller. Yeah. yeah. You know, going a bit deep for a second, I think there's something really uh, uh, meaningful to building your own stuff. Yeah. You know, like, I think we're so easy. We're so easily, not manipulated, that's the wrong word. We're just like, when we want a frame bag, we go and buy a frame bag. Yeah. Right. When we want feedbacks or if we want whatever, it doesn't matter what it is. If we want this, we go and buy it. But if you really break it down, you look at some of this stuff. A lot of people could have the skills to be able to make a lot of this stuff. And there must be something really satisfying. Like for you, for instance, for that rack, it must be very satisfying for you to build that up. And then, you know, for people listening, today's global or this weekend's global fat bike day weekend. So a guy came out as a guest and met all my hordes of fat bikers out here in Invermere. And the response you got to your, to the stuff that you are making is super positive. <laughs> yeah, like you were a little surprised. shocked yeah. about it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that, that must feel really good. Yeah, it does. It, it's nice. I mean, I'm, I'm just a guy who likes riding bikes. So I'm trained up, but I'm also happy to try and solve problems because that's, you know, what I did my whole life and your whole working life. And, uh, yeah. So. No, so I, th- I, you know, as a guy, I would just encourage anyone to, yeah. to go and, and give it a try. Um, I've been asking you to, to make me a frame bag and you won't, you won't make me one. He says I have to make my own frame yeah. bag. <laughs> we can talk about it, Steve, but you'd have to make it yourself. <laughs> I can see making like a gorilla tape one, maybe. We do have a sewing machine here. Um, my wife's grandmother's sewing machine is here. And apparently the older ones are super. Yeah. Big. So just on that, I mean, I, I just bought an inexpensive uh, sewing machine, just a regular sewing machine. It's a, a brother. I only use two or three stitches on the thing, and um, good quality needles, good quality thread, and away you go. 
I just wanted to ask you too. Where do you um, where do you get your material from? It varies as to how exotic you want to get. There's um, there's a number of places where you can buy uh, fabric online, and the only one that I've used so far is an outfit called Ripstop by the Roll. I think they're in Durham, North Carolina. Oh, okay. Um, Nothing in Canada? No. No. It's... Uh, so, I specifically, I'm using X-Pac. And then, recently, you know, I'm not, and I'm not to the point now where I'm ready to actually advocate making stuff out of a pack raft material because I don't have enough, you know, mm. runtime to it. All of the designs that I'm going to put up on the Bike Pack Canada website have got Every single item has got at least a thousand kilometers of hardcore miles mm. on it. In some cases, much more than it, that. At least, I think you're being, yeah. 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 Like the pannier bags have got, they're up around 5,000 K. Right. And they're bomber. So tried, tested, R&D. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, on the DIY pack raft is the, on the, if you look on the web for DIYpackraft.com. It uh, turns out they're uh, a BC company, and uh, it's uh, it's one guy. Uh, I believe his name is Matt Pope, and uh, I I can he's that, but... got just uh, amazing designs and products and what have you in terms of pack rafts. But he also sells uh, material. All right, that's okay. I was just looking for a pen, but I'll write it down. I'm still on the pack. Yeah. And uh, so if you if you wanted to get waterproof materials, I think my my current development focus is, is around building waterproof uh, goods um, and and also finding ways to keep the weight down. So I've started laminating laminating my own fabrics. Oh, how do you do that? Just with heat, same thing. And you, you can just just run an iron over that and laminate it. Yeah, with okay consistency. Yeah, the consistency is what I'm working on. I, I don't have the skills yet to actually do it in a consistent way. And I, it's not something you could ever do commercially. It's just too too slow. Right. But, you know, spend an hour making one bag kind of thing. Right, which isn't too, too bad, really. Well, Instead of watching Netflix, you could be building a... <laughs> right? what, what's Netflix? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's so funny. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So so do we have a, do we have a plan? Is there a timeline to get that stuff on, on the website? Uh, yeah, hopefully after Christmas, I think. Okay. Yeah, some get, stuff. Kind get of... through the holiday season, but early enough that people can fool around with it over the dark days of winter. And... That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know. We could talk about riding bikes. Hey, what are you, uh, what are you doing this summer? What, what Are you going to do a race? Good questions. Um, well, depending on what happens with the buckshot, I feel like I've got unfinished business there. Did you? You didn't scratch on it, did you? I did. Did you? Yeah. It's first first race I've scratched on. So. And that's that says a lot. That must have been pretty gnarly because his guy is he's a pretty gnarly dude. So if it, <laughs> if it got if it got that bad, wait, was it the mud? I heard. The yeah, mud the mud. I mean, bad. I I I've, I actually wore out a chain and just really? under, under two hundred kilometers, brand fresh chain on the bike, and it was gone in under two hundred k. Oh my god! Yeah. That's crazy. See, I, I said this on the last podcast. I don't think I've actually truly been tested. Like I'm, you, you're probably more. Well, you're way more experienced than I am. 
I don't know about from, that. From a racing perspective, I think we're on the same page in terms of gear and yeah. kind of what we do and, and whatnot. But uh, I haven't been like really truly tested by Mother Nature yet. I guess maybe I have. I mean, I've been yeah. in pouring rain in the middle of the night and, yeah. you know, I, I don't, I'm not, a, I'm not adverse to riding in super cold temperatures, and, and, but I haven't been tested like that, like yeah. riding in mud for, for 200 kilometers. Yeah, I just haven't been there. Well, I, you know, I, I gotta give huge credit to the people, the folks that finished that, that full distance. I mean, they must have really, really had to dig deep. Yeah. And dig deep hour after hour after hour. Yeah. So, and for you know, Leonard to turn in the kind of time that he turned in, it's just oh. remarkable. He's, a, he's absolutely a remarkable. Well. Some pretty crazy people in this community. Yeah. Not crazy. We have some very, very talented, athletically talented people. In this community, I think yeah. it's it's so funny because it's so uh, it's just so unassuming. Like you could go to like go to the summit or go to a bike packing race and just be chit chatting with a bunch of people, and you wouldn't know that this guy's going to finish the BC Epic in two days. It just yeah, you know, it's it's just a different, such a different group of people. Yeah, maybe because there is no prize money. Like the, you know, there's no real. It, it's it's everyone's own ride. The journey's everyone. Right, like and everybody's there for a different reason. Yeah, yeah. What's your mental game like? Uh, I'm there because I want to be there, yeah. and by that I mean I'm there to enjoy the ride. I'm not, um, you know, I've, I'm not averse to suffering, but I'm not there to suffer. Right. Um, so I'm more just about experiencing what's going on around me. I'm, you know, very, very focused on the environment around me, trying to see birds and see wildlife and flowers and the grass moving and the clouds moving and everything that comes with that. Um, the is coming back to, uh, to ride plans for the summer. Yeah. Um, the, I'd hope to, you know, if the buckshot goes again as a, as a, as a, a ride in, in the May long time frame, then I'd do that. And otherwise, I might ITI it. This is an early training ride. And then uh, perhaps the BC Epic again. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and I'll throw into that. I would also do the uh, um, the Delmo again. I just love what whatever those guys come up with. <laughs> and girls, it's amazing. <laughs> every, every year, it's something different and, and something amazing. So, um, and then uh, AR700 again. You're a beast, man. Yeah, no, not really. It's, well, yeah, ride bikes. Yeah, but that's, uh, you know, it's it's inspirational, right? Yeah. I think seeing, um, I, I'm using these words lightly, because you're, can I ask how old you are? 60. So you're 60. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm pushed 50. And we, we, we constantly see these, these riders who are, you know, 60s, 70s. There's that gentleman in the UK, 84 years old, riding a million, a million miles, yeah. I, which I'm, I'm trying to get a hold of him. I wrote, I wrote the magazine to try to get, I said, don't give me his, his information, but if you can reach out to him and say, I want to talk to him. Because yeah. I, I think it's, you know, he's not a racer. He just, just accumulated those miles over time. Yeah. But just with the passion of cycling, right? Yeah. Cycling is so good for us physically and mentally. You know, that's, that's incredible. I think that's I've, great. I've, just speaking of older fellows that are riding, I, I volunteer in, uh, in the national parks and also with Kananaskis. And uh, I've run into, I typically I would say probably see about <clears throat> 150 people a year out on the tour divide route. Yeah. When I'm out just training and, you know, just riding. 
volunteering. And uh, it's amazing the number of older men and women mm -hmm. that are that are out there just having fun. Yeah, and uh, did you listen to um, I did. Bob and, yeah. and Liz? Yeah, it's amazing, right? And I, I, what I found so heartwarming about that couple is that, you know, they were just in it for the long haul together as a team. Yeah. Right. And it's like, you know, this, this half the team is good at this part yeah. of it and this half's the team the other and you just support each other and, and you just go and do it. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I want to ride the tour ride so bad. Yeah. Uh, long distance like that. But yeah, no, I think it's, it's great. We have, we have a, you know, a, a few older riders in our community, not sixties older. That's just, that's the new 30, right? <laughs> I'm going with it. <laughs> I'm going with it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's why, you know, that's, that's why, you're in the great shape you are is is the passion for cycling right like yeah that no just being i like being outside yeah you know, let my wife and i both really enjoy it's being good. outside gotta keep moving yeah. the water doesn't freeze right um cool well thanks guy you happy yeah good to chat Steve. feeling good yeah nice to have someone actually in my quote-unquote yeah studio he's got actually. quite a little man cave going here folks <laughs> it's a family cave everyone's welcome in this cave yeah but yeah, yeah there's a lot of bike gear here, Steve. There's a lot of bike stuff here. Yeah, my haven't. And a lot of musical instruments. Yeah, yeah. Did you like the little little tune I put in the last podcast? Yeah, that was fabulous. Like that? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was. Uh, Although I, I'm really thinking, you know, you probably need some mandolin and banjo in there. Well, it's funny because uh, actually, my my neighbor here, um, Al Semple, I, I played it for him because he's a musician. And he, as soon as it came up, he says, "You know what, Steve? You need some harmonica." There you go. And I'm like, well, dude, next time you're around, come over. And because I've got the multi-track recording still set up. Yeah. Do you play mandolin? I do not. Do you play an instrument? I do not anymore. See, when I first started this. That talk, might be something I'll take up later when I can't ride a bike. Yeah. Because I thought it'd be really, I've always thought it'd be really fun. Not, not on a race, race trip, but on a normal trip, just bring one of those like little camping guitars. Because I love strumming the guitar by the fire, right? Yeah. They're kind of bulky. But then remember we were out with, uh, with Doug. And he just started playing the harmonica. Yeah. Just I love that. And it's yeah. just like this little yeah, pocket-sized instrument, there. right? Yeah. And he was saying, too, that uh, it's been proven that wildlife hate the sound of it. Oh. Did, 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 no, I missed, that, that. I, didn't, I missed that part. Yeah, yeah. he said that it's uh, just the tone of it or just the, the, the quality of the sound of a harmonica. Uh, uh, wildlife doesn't like the sound of it. Mm. So, yeah, you just need one of those neck neck things where you can hold it in front of your face all yeah. the time. You just, Keep on riding. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, yeah. Well, thanks for the time today. No, thank you. It's good to chat. I really appreciate everything you're doing. The, the podcast, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I'm just trying. And to... you know what? I don't think I'm going to listen to podcasts while I'm riding my bike. But yeah, you I do listen to them. Do you don't listen to anything? On Nothing. Your bike, okay. No. See, that's the thing. So, I admire that. I, yeah, let's let's talk about that okay, for a sec. Let's do it. So last summer, um, when I was riding the Lost Elephant, uh, just uh, where was I? I was just uh, above Yak. I was probably maybe. 40 kilometers outside of Yak and I'm just riding along on this uh, little de de more or less decommissioned uh, logging road and what do I see in front of me but a cougar cruising along. Awesome. Just cruising along the edge of the road and uh, kind of wa wa wobbling in and out of the grass and I followed it for, it never, never did see me, I followed it for almost a kilometer and uh, and then so that was sort of on red alert there looking mm -hmm. around and uh i got a little higher up just towards the top of the pass and uh there was another cougar 
Wow, that's crazy. actually laying on the road, sunning itself, and it didn't see me either. <laughs> Do you think you would have missed that with headphones in? Oh, I think so. Yeah, really? Yeah, I would have been totally zoned out. And uh, so, anyways, I stopped and uh, and the cougar. Uh, so I stopped, got my phone out, got my bear spray out, blah blah blah, and uh, took some pictures of it. And it was still looking around. I think it was looking for probably you know marmots or ground squirrels or something or other up on a up on a, a slope. And uh, I had no idea how big this thing was because it was laying down. And uh, and it was you know longitude across or sort of going away from me on on the road, and uh, it stood up and it was a big male and it was absolutely enormous. The big cat with with the tail. It was the because it turned sideways at that point to the road. It was the tail actually extended beyond the road. <laughs> So the head was over <laughs> on the far right hand side of the lanes, and the tail was was out on the left hand side, and uh, and then it sort of started. You could I gave it a toot on the horn to yeah. let it know I was there, and uh, it was sort of doing the math on which way it was going to go, which was interesting for a few seconds. Yeah, <laughs> and then it it bounded, headed off down the road the same way I was going. Never seen. And then took off. Yeah, I've never seen one. I've just been really close a few times, quite a few times, but. You know, this, you know, the, the tracks, the snow track is falling in on, and so it's, you know, literally a few hundred meters away. But yeah. this is the first time I've seen one, not one, but two in one day up close. So it's great. I don't have headphones in all the time. I do take breaks and usually it's not me. I find, I find music a bit grating yeah. a lot. So I do listen to a lot of, a lot of podcasts and books. Uh, I'm getting better. I'm working on my mental game in that way. Yeah. And the reason, honestly, I'll, you know, full disclosure, the, the reason I, I have a, it's it's a mental game for me because I have a very high level of negative self talk. Oh, yeah, I do, and uh, it's I'm working on it. Yeah, yeah, it's something that. Well, I'm the fact that you're aware of it, that's very helpful. Yeah, so I think it's something you can actually address. Yeah, so having the distraction uh, helps me mentally to to get through times, um, yeah. but. It's, like I never, I never feel like mentally strained. Like if I weren't, it, it's not like yeah, it's just that. It, it's just that I. I uh, since the Alberta Rocky 700, I scratched on that one. Yeah. You and I started that one together. Yeah. Um, that I was just destroyed mentally. From yeah, don't that, be. Right? No, no, I'm over yeah. it. I'm over it. But I, I look back on it with such a, I don't know, it's just part of the lesson, right? Yeah. Of doing it. And, you know, it's funny when I, when I woke up the next day after we had kind of decided we were going to scratch and leave, I woke up the next day. I felt pretty good, but we had already committed. Someone was coming to get us. And, and uh, in retrospect, I should have just waited and, and <clears throat> continued on because it's, you know, I'll have to do that route sometimes. I still really want to do it. Yeah. But yeah, it's more, it's more, a, it's, it's a mental thing for me. It's just, it helps me get through these times. And also I find ha- I have all that time when I'm on the bike to learn, you know? And so I love audiobooks and I love listening to podcasts that are, um, good content, like really good content. Yeah. I try to shoot, I, sh- I aim up. And a lot of the stuff I listen to is so over my head, huh? but I love it. I yeah. love it. Like stuff, uh, you know, uh, Peter Atia Drive, I'd recommend. Uh, okay. Everyone listens to Joe Rogan. You yeah. know, a lot of people listen to Joe Rogan. People don't give that guy enough credit. He's a he's a smart dude. He's got some really good uh, information on there. But usually it's that. It's like science, a lot of like uh, social kind of stuff, yeah. maybe a bit of politics, just stuff that I that I. Yeah, I just find it's a really good 
you've got hours and hours and hours on the bike. Yeah. You know, I remember uh, listening to one book. It was on The Lost Elephant, uh, Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, which is a fantastic book. And uh, it's it's it just has some really awesome just little lessons in it. But he was talking about, uh, I'm getting emotional talking about it, cause it was, but he read his own book. So he was reading a book about meaning. So for me, meaning, like doing the podcast has been very meaningful to me giving back to Biohack yeah. Canada and, you know, since meeting Ryan Corey and I just really, really wanted to give back. And so he was reading his chapter on meaning and at the end he's choking. He's, he's actually choking on his words and he's reading his book and he's choking on his words because um, he was so profoundly moved by, by the message he, that he was trying to deliver. And I it was middle, it's probably like one in the morning. I'm listening to that part. I'm like, you tell him Jordan, man, you tell him. You tell him it was awesome. Like, I just remember like stopping, just wiping my eyes. And, and, uh, that's, that's what I, that's kind of what I like is, is just learning and, and, you know, and bike packing is perfect for dredging up the bullshit, yeah. the negative self talk. It just dredges it up, right? Cause you have so much time to think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, managing the emotional roller coaster is, yeah, is a big component of, yeah. Of being able to keep on rolling, I, I think I, I cried on the lost elephant for sure. Okay. But it, but it was just like it was more like it just comes up from nowhere. Yeah. It's you're not even thinking about it. And it's like oh, I'm so privileged. Like what a privilege yeah, it is in there. this country to be able to to be able to just go where we yeah. want and have these experiences. I just I just thought of something. You know, for an, an audio book, I really think that Katrina Rosen should. Uh, should put uh, with you by bike into audiobook. I wish you would because yeah, I think that's amazing. the only way I'm yeah. going to be able to read it. Oh, it's a wonderful well, I book. Ha- I have you should it. read it. It's she fabulous. Was, she gave me a copy, and and you know, family life. I have a yeah. I have a really hard time just sitting down with a book and reading a book. There's so little time. Uh, what what time we have? Usually, my wife and I are snuggled on the couch because <laughs> we don't have a lot of time together. Um, but yeah, maybe uh, yeah, she should do that. She should read it. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's the thing. Her voice would be just fabulous. Yeah, I, would. I could listen to Katrina speak for a while. Um, where can people find you? Uh, probably uh, ABMTN guy. Uh, that's uh, my uh, handle on uh, on Instagram. And uh, I'm not much of a Facebooker, but uh, that'd be the easiest spot would be on Instagram. Would you be open to people reaching out to you if they have any questions? Or yeah, absolutely. I you know, always try to try to help people out yeah let's wrap this up we got to go fat biking sounds good man let's go <laughs> Thanks, fat guy. biking thank Good you time. i want to thank guy again for his time and congratulate he and sarah on their new company bike packers foundry the website is bikepackersfoundry.com you can reach out for pre-orders or get any information from sarah s-a-r-a at bikepackersfoundry.com so reach out give them some love I want to thank you guys again for tuning in I also want to thank Rebound Cycle for supporting me and supporting me. You're supporting the Bike Pack Canada podcast, and I really appreciate it. If you have anything you want to say, you can reach out to me at bikepackcanadapodcast at gmail.com. You can reach out with guest suggestions, feedback, and voice intros. Keep the voice intros coming, people. Uh, I love hearing from you guys. So we'll see you in a couple weeks. And until then, get out there, ride bikes, sleep in the woods, and keep the rubber side down.